the conversations about politics. A little bit of comedy and knowledge, man. With a host to teach you all about empowerment. Now what we doing? We're chilling in the chat house. And where we at? We're chilling in the chat house. Now what we doing? This episode of the chat house is being brought to you by Tracks on Deck Productions. If you're looking for quality music for your intros, podcasts, videos, or whatever it is that you do, then look no further. Tracks on Deck Productions is the place for you. Hi, this is A.T. from the Chat House with highlights of Walter Dukes. Walter Dukes is a very accomplished businessman who spent over 30 years with Georgia Power in various leadership roles, retiring as Senior Vice President of Custom Operations in Metro Atlanta area. Mr. Dukes is very active in his community and serves as a pastor. He's also a husband and a father of three sons. He is also currently working on his doctoral degree. Hello, Kenny. Hey, Mr. Dukes, how are you? Everything's going quite well. It's going, going quite well. Great. Good from you, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, earlier we were talking to you about the power of education and how it enhanced and changed your life. Right. If you would, please, what was your official title um, when you retired from Georgia Power? Senior Vice President of Custom Operations in for Metro Atlanta. Oh, okay, okay. For our listeners, let's just set the stage and um, give us an idea of what your upbringing was like. Well, certainly, I'd be happy to. Um, well, I was raised in a family of um, twelve. Actually, it was ten children, ten siblings, and my parents. And of course, we were um mother and father in the home and of course um we were a christian family my my dad was a deacon and my grandfather who lived fairly close to us he was a pastor of the church so we we spent a lot of time together in church and and those kinds of things and we were a very close family and we grew up that way dad raised us that way and um, went to church most Sundays. We spent a lot of time with my grandfather, learned a lot from my granddad, um, learned a lot from my dad. He always poured into us and we worked hard. We were a hardworking family, learned, learned the value of work early on in life. And in fact, there were times when, um, um, I would have to do my schoolwork on the bus because when I got home, uh, there was going to be time to go back to the, the fields or go back and feed up or feed the animals and those kinds of things or early in the morning, even before we went to school. So, um, but um, early on, we, we had that farm and we lost that farm back in 1973. Um, and so none of my siblings really went to college because they they really had to spend a lot of time working. And but ultimately, I was the first in the family to end up going to college. Um, and, and but but before that, um, uh, went to, went to a, one of those very small elementary school. Um, and where all the family went to, and then ultimately I went to Boggs Academy, somewhere down about the tenth uh, grade or so. And all of my family were pushing for me and pulling for me to succeed and to not be in um, and on the farm or um, doing other things um, um, or maybe working in a factory. They really believed that I could go and succeed. And Dad had pushed me really hard. My grandfather did too, and my siblings. Mm. They also did the same thing. My siblings actually encouraged me along the way to do something because actually after I graduated, then 
all of them um, behind me pretty either got a, a trade or they went to college. And so it was kind of a breaking point um, in the family when things turned around. So, but we grew up very, very close. And even today, we're very close because of the way daddy raised us and, and my mother raised us. And, and so, um, that's kind of the landscape of our family, and mm-hmm. uh, this is this a strong, hard-working family, and and the va- learn to value work, and I think that is one of the things that that really excites me about what what they were able to do. My dad did not finish high school, but he knew hard work was important. Learning that education was even more important, but as important, I would say, because he felt like the work and and then education, which put uh, having that work ethic will get you there. Because I'll be honest with you, uh, when you look at education, you got to have a strong work ethic. I remember many times when when I was on the buses um, doing my work, um, and other children would say, "Well, why are you doing that? Why are you doing algebra? Why are you <clears throat> why are you taking an algebra class? Or, or why are you doing why are you working on the bus?" And they would be doing other things, but I would work on that bus and get my because I knew I couldn't do it when I got home. Right, you had to work. So <laughs> I, I decided I'd just do it on the bus and uh, going to school or, or even even coming back. I took advantage of that time. So so it even throughout my career, work ethic has been so important. But that education with work ethic, you can't stop it, my Lord. Just do some wonderful things yeah um so just so that the listeners uh would be clear what time frame was this again this was in i graduated from high school in 1976 Mm -hmm. and was born in 1958 the same year my father actually lost his arm my Mm -hmm. dad was um he had he was had one arm but then he he could do about as much work as um two two men really Mm -hmm. with one arm because he was a hard working man, he learned how to use uh, use that, that prosthetic. He learned how to use that well, and so. Uh, but 1958, and 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 I was about middle of the family, number five in that family. So I grew up in the in the 60s, in the 70s, and mm. 80s, and and graduated from college in 1981. So you can see that those about the years and and that we're talking about. Uh, so when I look at the years and I think about history. Um, in my own family as well, how did education become a major factor? Because I know at that time, um, as you said before, farm work, factory work, working with your hands, some type of trade maybe. Um, how did education and even the idea of engineering was even a thought at that time period? Like it had to be relatively new. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Kenny. Um, education really was started in my family. My dad was, um, he was a consummate pusher of uh, education, even though he had not got his um, high school diploma, but he still valued education, even though we were somewhat tied to the farm mm-hmm. for a period of time. And, and that was kind of what really shaped my the siblings above me, they really didn't get a chance to do all the things I did until that farm was sold back in 1973. Mm-hmm. But my grandfather was there. My grandfather was also there. Even when I was um, growing up, he would always um, have us come to his house. And these were the grandchildren. We would sit on his, you know, he would, he had this chair. I can still remember that chair. He would sit there and we sit on the arm of his chair and 
and he would he would compete with us on ABC when we were very young. <laughs> ABCs he could sell his ABCs backward just as fast as we could sell them forward, wow. and we would compete with him. We would compete with him to see who would win. Then he he learned he taught us mathematics. He was a great mathematician, and and he taught us how to to do math in our head. If you had the abilities, and I did have the ability to do math. But he he would teach us how to do things and and you almost like you close your eyes and you could almost see those numbers and and how you can put them together. He takes and he would turn a number into a zero and he add the zeros or multiply the zeros and then you start grabbing the other numbers in your head and then you can actually come up with answers and he could come up with answers so quickly. Uh, and even today, I can I can calculate numbers pretty quick, but quicker than most people can do. They, by the time they pull out their calculator, I can do it wow. because I, he taught me how to do that stuff uh, years ago. And he called them notes. They were really zeros, but he called them notes during that time. And uh, but but he, he but that to me was one of the things that pushed me really hard. And he had an expectation that we would uh, go on further in school and he being a pastor and we drove him to church all the time. And he, so he, he pushed it. My daddy pushed it. My family, my mother did and all my siblings. And so then when I got an opportunity in high school, uh, I was in the 10th grade and I'll never forget, um, 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 my counselor was looking for, uh, an opportunity. Well, I guess we got opportunities for a call a better chance program. It was actually called a better chance. And, and she submitted my name for that, and I was able to go to a boarding high school, Bowser Academy, um, um, uh, and I won't say free because I had to do work study. Uh-huh. And But during that time when I was at Bowser Academy, and I was in a class of 27, 27 of us in the in my particular class, and and all when we graduated, it was 27 of us graduated. But actually, I had been valedictorian in my class in seventh grade, valedictorian in eighth grade, and I ended up being valedictorian even in the uh, my twelfth grade year, wow. coming out of there, um, out of the twelfth grade. Um, but but at Bonds Academy, and they were pushing for you. Education was education. They wanted to give you a great education there, but they also wanted you to go beyond that and go to college, and so. About in the high 90s, probably 97% of the students well in the college. Hmm. But I never forget that my what they say you have to, we used to say you have to overrate to graduate. You had to come up with this 10 minute speech as a junior in school and say you talked about whatever you wanted to talk about, but you had to, that was part of our English class. You had to overrate to graduate. And and I, I did one on uh, we need more black engineers. Huh. Uh, actually, it was more we need more black professionals. And then, oh, then hone it down to one of my points, more black engineers. That's what got me excited in engineering, to be honest with you. Huh. All before that, I wanted to be my mother's doctor. My mother would not even let me play football because she felt like I would get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but she always wanted me to be her doctor. One day I was going to be her doctor, and so I, my goal was to go into chemical engineering. And after after looking at it, after studying, after doing the research on engineers and black professionals, and and how few there were of engineers, I got excited about being an engineer. And my mother didn't know that I, I really wanted to be an engineer, um, <laughs> and I never told her until I made my change in my mind. And I first got to college at Morehouse. Um, I really didn't like. I really didn't like 
biology as much as I thought I would, or, or didn't like uh, chemical, didn't like chemistry as much as I thought, and so, uh, so I changed my major to double E. Mm. But I can always go back to the start of it was when I did the research, I learned the information about uh, the differences, you know, how blacks were just not in those areas. Right. And, um, and I just felt like I could make a difference and I really wanted to make a difference. And, and, and I never forget that speech and I gave it with strong passion because I really truly believe that. And so I think one of the things that's important in education, you got, and when you make a decision about what you're going to do, you got to have a passion to do it, you I know, agree. and, and, and I, I, you know, and there were many of my friends even told me, you know, a black, an engineer, they first they thought it was a train, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because so it's relatively you know, new. Yeah. And, and, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then when I tell them what it was, they said, you probably won't even get a job in that area. So oh, there, wow. there was a lot of fear in it thinking that, you know, there's no blacks. They never, they had not even known of a black engineer, you know, so. Um, and, and, and so when it, when it provided itself for me, I tell you what, I, I was, and, and I aimed high, I did go to Morehouse thinking I was going to be a doctor. I was going <laughs> to take the chemical engineering route and that, and that was how I was going to do it to, to satisfy what she wanted me to do. And so, um, but I realized very quickly that was not what I wanted to do. And, and so, but I didn't, when you aim high, you drop low, I just dropped down to uh, double E, mm-hmm. which I don't consider, I really didn't consider the drop, I'll be honest with you. I considered it, you know, engineers just in doctors on the same level, very, very much professionals. And, right. and, you know, for a long time, we always thought that you either had to be an engineer or had to be a, a doctor or a lawyer. To be successful, no, 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 no. You, you, I think you when you, when you think about education, you think about success is in those, those areas where you have a passion and you know you'll be good at it and you do well at it. Um, and but now I would tell you that some of these fields that they have to be careful about where you surely you need to do some research and there's no opportunities when you graduate. Um, and if the, if the fields are already saturated with certain areas and that's pretty hard to get the opportunity so um, um, but in, in fact criminal justice was an area where a lot of folks were going into at one time and it was hard good area but it was just so saturated with and then the folks found themselves uh, having to be the police work and they didn't quite go to law school and and so this kind of uh, created a problem that was during my season I don't know what it would be today, mm-hmm. but then uh, during my season, that was a difficult uh, place. And then there were some others in the area of sociology was having challenges. But I think people choose the area with their passion, with something that they feel like that they can um, uh, do well at. And, and it's a, one of the growing areas. Then, then I think they'll see that there will actually be opportunities for them when they graduate. I agree. Um, yeah, uh, cause, because I want to ask you, um, during that time period, like what what was it like um, going to college? Because uh, you know we got to keep in mind the time period. Absolutely. You know, like hey. like like what was it like? <laughs> you know, like yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, and I'll be honest with you, country born, and and I, I just you know, and I'm not ashamed. Of, I'm not ashamed of where I was at the time. I was I was young. I never. I really. I was. I was. Um, I was coming from um, a rural area, country Georgia, boy, in Georgia. And from in Georgia, <laughs> red clay, <laughs> and exactly. And I never forget that first day. My brothers 
all seven of us got in one vehicle and my parents didn't go, but they were the first one of us to take me to college. And, 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 and I was sitting in between all of them, but I showed you one that was the, their, their support for me, uh-huh. you know, and they're, 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 they were very proud of me doing that. So then they took me up to the college of Mohouse and, and, and left me there. And of course, then, then the first thing I do, I get a chance to go downtown, just give you an idea. Um, uh, we, we got a group of us. I got with some folks that I knew happened to know that with that Waynesboro high school. And then we took us downtown and you know, the thing we, we used to ride up and down the elevators. I, I, tell you, <laughs> I was not, you know, that one of the tallest buildings in Atlanta then on, on, on Peachtree street, but we went up and, you know, had the glass elevators. And so I, I mean, I got excited about just riding up and down the elevators. So, you, know. <laughs> so, so you in Atlanta, so, Georgia, the capital of Georgia, <laughs> And your excitement, your highlight was riding the yeah, elevator. Yeah, riding up and down the elevator, you know. And here it is, we went in the, in the building. I mean, that was, it was, yeah, but, but that just shows you how excited yeah. I was about leaving where I was. And then just the growth from just going from there to going to, to that place and seeing, my Lord, I didn't realize all this was here, you know. And so... So, 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 so that's, that, that was the beginning of it. But then I had to work doing college as well. You know, I had to work and, and again, uh, get loans and, 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 uh, and financial aid and, um, like I said, work study. And, and then even then, uh, you know, there was times when I finally got an apartment outside, but apartments was cheaper and, and still had to um, find dollars. And many times my mother would borrow from another brother to give to me they think they're giving it to my mother (laughs) (laughs) she'd turn around and send it to me right (laughs) you know so so and then plus they would send me dollars and so um so it it was um it was it was it was a team a family effort i'll be honest with you for them to get me through college because the dollars were just weren't there uh, Uh to make it happen but i just believed that it it, it, it could, you know, and it did. I, I, I never forget that two pieces of chicken and and one biscuit at um, Chicken Church's Fried Chicken cost me a dollar and three cents. That was a long time and, ago. <laughs> yeah, a long time ago, exactly. A dollar and three cents, and and I would go there on that road fairly close to the campus. Sometimes that was my dinner, mm-hmm. and uh, um, and 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 then and, and let me tell you on Sundays when I got a chance to go to um, uh, SNS cafeteria and get some cube steak and rice. My Lord, if I ever got a chance to do that, I'd probably <laughs> all never. So, so, so it was certainly not easy, but it's doable, you know. Right. And, um, it's doable for me. You can, where I came from, yeah. um, I'm sure it's doable for people even today. Well, well, you was talking about um, family support, and I know. Um, you know, the feminist structure of the day is much different. Um, many different dynamics of what people consider family. Um, mm-hmm. But when you're talking about family support, um, I know a lot of people sometimes don't even have family. And um, right. to hear some of the things or the mindset your family had where they collectively uh, had this for one of their siblings or their son or I think that's what we need in the Afri- African American community now, like to be proud of somebody that has an ability, uh, maybe sometime greater than our own. 
But mm-hmm. but for all of them to rally behind you mm-hmm. in in such a way, man, it's uh it's actually a beautiful thing. Um It is. Yeah, that was my next question actually. Was your family supportive through your career? They they were all the way through my career, even when I graduated from college to even uh after starting out as an when I first started out um <clears throat> as an engineer when I graduated in eighty one started down at um, a plant in the plant environment and and um and went back home. I'll be honest with you, I wanna be back around my family, be back around siblings and, and always enjoyed that um that connection and and but I immediately saw that I, I was there about seven years and got involved in the community and got really um engaged and, and even during that time family was very supportive of all the things I was doing and but I got an opportunity to leave Waynesboro primarily because and um 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 my youngest child had Down syndrome and actually I had been offered a job in Atlanta uh and I turned it down. And mm. it was it was a it was a promote it was well I guess a lateral position but I turned it down primarily because I didn't want to leave Waynesboro. Um, and it was, um, yeah, you know, it was a, a ways where I knew everybody and it was a good place and, and raised a family. Okay. But I got home that particular day and I told my wife, told Mary, I said, listen, I got an offer, offered an opportunity in Atlanta, but I turned it down. She said, what you do that for? <laughs> See, I, just, I just knew Mary was going to say no, because we had, when we moved from Keysville to Waynesboro, she left her, she was from a large family as well. She moved from Keysville to Waynesboro. Then, you know, that was a stretch. Then to move from Waynesboro to Atlanta, I just knew she would say no. Mm. I got home that day. She said, what do you do that for? She said, that would have <laughs> been a great opportunity for Matthew. Probably we could learn, we get more things from him. I said, wow. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then I had to go back and win the job back again. That, too, that, was, one of the, that was one of the best moves we've ever made. Huh. And 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 to relocate, even though it was a challenge to move away from family, to move away from what we've known all our lives and to have family there. But it began um, really it really um, was what inspired my lifted my career, I'd say, because you got to learn sometimes you have to move in order to grow. And you have to go other places and learn new things to grow. And so then uh, when I left there um, and became a lobbyist, I was a lobbyist for the company and got to know legislators from throughout the state. And I traveled the state and and um, and, 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 and really got to know all of Georgia and knew how the laws are made and, and really got involved in politics and hmm. understood politics. And, and before I knew it, you know, I got promoted to a, a manager and then ultimately to a, a, a vice president, another manager, a distribution area. And, and then I actually ended up moving three, four more times after that. And, and those moves, every time I made a move, it was, more, it was a promotion. I came back to Augusta and I went back to Atlanta. And, um, but it was uh, opportunities for growth. And, uh-huh. and I, began, I began to be content with uh, relocating and seeing new things. And then Mary became content with that and um, the fact that we would need to relocate. But we learned so much in every area where we've ever gone. We learned a lot. We grew. Um, um, from uh, having that experience, but I always kept the connection back home, and right. 
just had a parent passing the appreciation this past weekend and three of my siblings showed up, you know? Awesome. <laughs> so, That's so, awesome. so that tells you that, you know, that long-term building the relationships, because a lot of time we can't, um, even though families are divided today and they're probably not, not as close, but we got to have somebody that we can't forget those people that really help you to get Absolutely. to where you are. You've got to, got to always remember those people and keep those connections because at the end of the day, you know, when something goes wrong, you got them with you. Exactly. So Exactly. Mm-hmm. You were talking about the moving back and forth and stuff like that. Um, at any time, was it like difficult or stressful, like moving up and down the, well, moving up the corporate ladder and and um, what was that like as far as yeah. was it difficult? It was it was, it was difficult. And, you know, and I never forget my first officer job, you know, in that officer meeting that, you know, I became a vice president. And you become if you relieve from the ranks and go to an officer position, then you have to go in and before a board and you are there and. And, and you, it's almost like an uh, ordination process. Now I won't quite call it an ordination process, but it's a it's a strong leap. You know, the board has to approve all of that. Mm-hmm. And so I, ne- I never forget my first opportunity in traveling to Atlanta, and I was nervous as all get out because n- not many African Americans or people that look like me were in those uh, meetings. Mm-hmm. And and. But, um, uh, and I'll never forget, Mayor was riding with me, and Mayor, Mayor and I rode to Atlanta that day from 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 Augusta. Just looking at her and how proud she was of me, she went out and bought, purchased me a brand new suit just for that occasion, you know. <laughs> that's awesome, and, yeah. And, yeah, and so she was very, very proud, and that support there made so much of a difference, you know. But but I, I, I'm not going to tell you, I was not nervous. I was nervous about that, and and uh, and then looking around and seeing who I would get support from. I'm leaving my support base, uh-huh. people that supported me, and I knew these. Uh, I knew the employees, and they had my back. And suddenly now I was going to be in a place where I'm not sure. I'm not trusting. You out of your comfort yeah, zone. I, yeah, I'm out of my comfort zone, and and uh, how, how do I how do I make this work and, and then you know the one of the things that really bother you a lot is if it doesn't work what will i do it's almost oh, yeah. like you gotta always you gotta oh, have yeah. this exit strategy this exit you know and and i because we think through it through our minds or either we ought to have one you ought to have an exit strategy and i, and I did have one in my mind and, you know i could always do this or always do that yeah you know, if it doesn't work i out. think uh <laughs> the older heads used to say you should always have a ram in the bush Exactly. I'm, I'm not quite sure what that means, but yeah, <laughs> see, she always have a ramp in the bush. <laughs> I say, I can always go back home if this doesn't work out. Yeah. So, um, so it was stressful, but but that worked out well. And all the way up through the whole, um, all the way through my whole career, it's always been somewhat like that because I found myself, even when I was on boards outside of the company, I found myself being one of the only African Americans on the board a lot of times. And they've done I that. I found myself, you know, and so, but, you know, I found support. Sometimes they supported, you found a few that, you know, that didn't support you, but you found, also found some that supported you on, mm-hmm. on those boards. So, uh, so I, I began to get comfortable in being in those kinds of atmospheres. So <clears throat> I think <clears throat> one of the things we learn over time is how do you be comfortable in different kinds of settings? That's what you I was know, gonna, that, in, That's what I was going to ask you because mm-hmm. I know a lot of young people, they're going to experience that. And I think, absolutely. It's, and I think it's very important that you share 
the techniques or the experiences you had to overcome those obstacles? Well, first thing I'll tell you that you first thing how you deal with it is be prepared. Okay. And like you said, the, edu the education fair. piece, the education piece is big, big. You know, I, I know I had this much education to all those around me. I had the engineering degree too. You know. So the confidence and, was um, there. So confidence was okay. there. I was prepared. I had the confidence. I was not. I was not arrogant, and I was not. You know. Uh, puffed up about it, but I also knew that I had the foundation, and I could I could perform and do if I given a chance, I could perform. So I think that's the first thing you had to do is be prepared for that experience. And and I knew I was not a token, and mm. you know a lot of people say you know you know I knew I was not a token because I had everything that I needed. I was I, just as all the others on that board, you know. But people first thing people see you're only one. They go, oh, that's a token. Absolutely, I was not. I had I'm everything. Glad that. that I needed, you know. I'm glad you said uh, that to be there, <laughs> and and so, um, and people need to, and and, and but you will have even your own people sometimes looking at you. Yeah, you know, you're just there, but no, no, no. You want me to show you my paper? Look at my wall. <laughs> <laughs> other, other, others, I can show you my papers. Or and show so, them some of your projects that you worked and, on. Show them my projects, yeah. exactly. So I was very proud of that, and but then you know you have the experiences where you know. Where uh, um, the other race did look did did give you some challenges. Oh, and I, yeah. and, you know, I had oh, yeah. I had one opportunity had one opportunity down in when I was an engineer and and as I was walking up on the project and got out of my car and I always as I get out of my car when I was driving up to provide service for uh, I try to size up the customer mm -hmm. and. And and so um, this particular customer kind of come toward me, you know, and, I, and I'm I'm thinking about him because I want to give great customer service, you know, and, <laughs> and, and no matter who they are, I give great customer service. Right. And so I get out of my car to get ready to come up to him, and as I always do, <clears throat> reach out my hand to shake the hand and start looking at the uh, what I need to provide for them uh, on this set of pole and those kinds of things mm -hmm. and engineering techniques. And I reach my hand out to him, he turns his back to me. Mm -hmm. I was like, what? Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> and and immediately, you know, and I just and, and and it was instinctively I just kept talking, and as if it didn't even happen, huh. you know, and 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 I and I worked through it. I just worked through it and and kept talking. Well, I'm here to provide service, and 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 uh, and so I, I didn't get angry with him. And and but when I got back to the office that particular day, and because I had a, one of the white managers that, for the area, he worked with me. He called me on the phone. He said, he said I can't. He said that's amazing how you handle that. He <laughs> said, my God. He said I would have been so mad, you know. And uh, I said, no, there's no sense getting mad with him. I mean, ignorance sometimes is a, you know, it's um, it's it's it, it, it's on all sides, you know. Mm -hmm. And certainly this ignorance here with him was it was total ignorance, you know. But I think he, and so I kind of heat the coals of fire back on his head. I'm sure, he, I'm sure he, he would probably want me to have gotten mad, but I didn't, you know. Right, right. And uh, so it wasn't and, worth it and, for and, you, probably. Yes, yeah, and the company was not going to send somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> so you had so to do what I'm you in, had to do. I'm in. This is who. This is who you got for the day. And, <laughs> Surprise. And and the other guy didn't know what to do, so I'm it. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh. So man. those kind of things you work through. I mean, you work through. I found those experiences. Um, 
the, 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 I grew, I grew from a lot of it. And there were times, times I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you. I, I did get angry about some things. I didn't show my anger, but there were some times when you sat back and wonder, oh, why do I have to fight through all of this? Why mm-hmm. do I have to do all of this? Or why, why is this happening to me? I think you know we can soak about things like that, but we all, we are. That's when you sit back and you figure out a strategy. How, what's my strategy? Well, my strategy is gonna be the best I can be where I am and show them how I can I can do this and uh, in fact there was a time there was an opportunity where one time um, and it was closed it was closed the, the organization was closed to African Americans and and I got a phone call and I was I was a leader strong leader in the community strong leader and they knew that um, I probably need to be part of the organization and so I called me and said do you need any help you uh, do you need me to make that happen? For I said, no, no, absolutely not. Huh. I don't want, I don't want that. Um, just when somebody got to make a phone call to make this happen. I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do is I'll just show them they need me. Huh. And, and so, uh, as I've got heavily involved in the community, make, came a move in the check in the community, doing great things. And they figured out real quick, they needed me. And so I got the phone call from the organization would you like to be part of us, you know? Huh. And um, so so I think it, it was, I used the reverse way of doing things, but I could have gotten in through um, another way. Right. I said, but no, that's not, the, I don't want to get do it that way because then at that point I am a token and I don't want to be a token, you know? Right. <laughs> they need to They need to know that I, they need me because of what I bring to the table. And and uh, and I think that's, that to me, I was very proud of that when that happened that way. Well, let me ask you this. You know, you you know, you're moving up, and you got these different um, racial issues. Um, you know, you got your home life. You got yourself developing. Everything's brand new, and I can imagine at some points it was stressful. Like at any point. Did you have doubt where you were like, man, I can't do this anymore? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> you know, you know the, yeah, absolutely. Many times, you <laughs> many, know, many times. And, yeah. But I think my strong faith. Okay. Um, helped me through those times when, um, when, uh, I would get to that moment where I can't do this anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember many times, Kenny, where I, I would show up sometime and and you know when you get your four hundred one k statement. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, you yeah. receive that four hundred one k statement. You look at it, and sometimes I looked at my four hundred one k statement with a lens of saying, if 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 I needed this bell on this. Thing, <laughs> Am I okay? Yes. Yeah. I, understand, <laughs> you know? I understand what you said perfectly. I, I often, every quarter, yeah. I often think that way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I was, I was looking through that set of lens, um, and 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 actually stuffing money away with because I walked with somewhat of a, um, even though I had strong faith in my Lord, I knew you would make a way, but I didn't always know that was the way it's going to be. Right. There were times when I felt like that probably, yeah, I may have to walk away from some things. And, and I always looked at if that was my exit, my 401k was going to be my exit strategy. <laughs> so I always looked at that as, as if this thing doesn't work out, 
that's my exit strategy. So I'm not going to always tell you that that things were okay. uh, not stressful because they were. I did walk in some stress, but I endured the stress by having thinking about how do I deal with this if I was not here, gotcha. if I had to do something different. And and I think that's where I found my peace. I found my peace, and I knew God was going to make a way. And I was always trying to have a a, a plan. And, and if this does not work, then what? And and I knew that, you know, one thing about it was I had, um, my wife and Mary, but no matter what, if I came home and told her, that, honey, you know what? I, I, I'm no longer with the company. <laughs> she would just say, you know, hey, let's look for the next, let's, 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 let's get it together and let's do what we need to do. Huh. So I, I always knew that I could always leave a stressful position, come home and at my home, it was a safe place. Huh. It was a safe place, and and I think and, you know, an executives got to have a safe place, or people that were anybody, not you, ought to have a safe place. You know, that we get up in the morning and we go to work, but then we coming back home ought to be a safe place. You know, yes. that place where we can uh, relax and we can be free from stress and we can be encouraged. Life can be reinforced. It can be rejuvenated, get back up the next morning. Everything that happened the day before is gone in a sense. Mm-hmm. You feel like you got a fresh start because you left home and you know your family is there and everything you're doing is ultimately for the, your entire family. So so I think that that's what got me through a lot of my stressful moments. Well, let me say this, I, I, and I have to say this, and I'm glad you brought up um, your spouse supporting you. Um mm-hmm. Because I think that's one of the main issues in America today. Um, mm-hmm. When you're going through a, a stressful time, not only at work, but in life in general, um, mm-hmm. your life partner should understand what you're going through or be willing to listen and try to learn what it is you're going through. And uh-huh. I, I definitely understand um, sometimes you come home with weight and right. just hearing your wife's voice and hearing her understanding or her even coming up with a simple way of looking at it makes all the difference. It makes Absolutely. all the difference. And a lot of people don't have that. Right. That's so that, exactly right. So that's very important, which leads me into my next question. Who, is, okay. who inspires you on your journey? You know, I had quite a few, um, and and from my grandfather. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at family, my grandfather, my dad, and you'll hear probably if you heard me preaching a lot, you'll hear me talk about a lot about my grandfather, and some of the stories that he would tell, or some of the things that he would do. Um, so he that was a lot of my inspiration. And when he passed away in '73, you know, I seemed like I just my love for him was already strong and the missing of him just made reminded me of all the things that he would do and the greatness that he could have been if he had had everything that I have today. And, and, and then, then when you look at out, outside of that, you know, would be my, uh, would be Dr. Martin Luther King. I've read his speeches. I've read his speeches and, 
and uh, I still do. I read a lot of his speeches, and and I think they just inspired me. Um, and I can read some of his speeches; it just brings me to tears when I read some of them. And when I look at his life and always in his whole life journey, and and then that one where I've been to the mountain. By the time I read it and get to the one where I've been to the mountaintop, by the time I'm getting there. When he's in Tennessee, I'm like, I'm in tears by that time, you know, Mm -hmm. and but but it inspired me that here it is somebody who wants to help all these people and, you know, and people that he doesn't even know, but he wants to do what's right. And and I never forget when um, uh, True Citizen did an article on me back in and when I was doing a lot of external work and True Citizen did an article on me um, that was in the early 80s and, and I became a citizen of the year, I believe, got the citizen of the year award. They asked me a question. They said, well, you know, what? Um, um, and one of the questions was about what I like doing. I said, like, I like helping others. And Kenny, I think about that with you and well, all that you're doing. I like helping others. And, I, and, and, and that's what Dr. Martin Luther King was about, helping mm-hmm. others. But all of that was, everything I was doing was about helping others. And even my education was going back to help others, to see things be better and different, to be more black engineers, to help mm-hmm. us become more of a, help African-Americans become more of a, engaged. Everything I've done, I seem like I was more interested in helping others, even to this day as I even start foundations and those kinds of things, preaching and pastoring and teaching. They're about helping others, giving myself away to others. And so 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 those are the things people that inspired me more than anything because that was my gifting is how do I help somebody else along the way? And that, my dad was big on that. He would give the shirt off his back and I admired him so much for for what he would do. Sometimes, you know, he would give away what we had, you know, help somebody else. <laughs> He'd be like, hey, you're too funny. much. On, <laughs> you know, it seemed like he was giving away too much. Exactly. <laughs> and and so Martin Luther King and my grandfather, my dad, and then um, the other other leaders in uh, even even um, uh, Mohouse leader there was Benjamin Mays and and he was one of my you know, I have only just a minute with 60 seconds in it. I don't know if you've heard that poem, but that's a wonderful poem that um, that when we got to Morehouse, we had to remember, memorize. And, but it, it spoke volumes. And you look at that one. It, it, it really tells you that you got to do some, what you, the time you have, do as much as you can while you can, while you're here. What have you, what would you do if you're on your grave one day and look at that dash? on that grave from whatever the time beginning of your time to the end of your time what did you do with the dash mm-hmm. within that time and so i look at my life as you know what will i what am i doing it's not just about me it's about what will i what did i do for others during that period of time and so so benjamin mays and uh was one of my favorites as well hmm. Hmm. yeah um it's very important um because um, you may be doing the right thing and you may have a younger person that's beginning their journey and they're looking for some type of example or blueprint or an idea of what it means to be a man. Um, I know growing up, uh, I would look what we considered successful was doing 
and mm-hmm. uh, and and for the most part, you know, a lot of the men were, um, you know, factory worker, uh, military. Um, so when I started hearing about you in education and uh, some of the leadership roles you you had, it kind of seemed far fetched, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. because you have to look at what the majority of what we saw coming home with a dicky suit on or overalls uh-huh. or greasy or dirty uh, to hear mm-hmm. about this man from Burke County in suit and tie uh, on the news in a newspaper. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like for somebody seeing Superman for the first time, you yeah. see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or, 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 or how you felt when you saw Obama for the first time, you see right. what I'm saying? So, but you just living your life and you just doing what's right. But you, um, I don't want to say accidentally, but not intentionally inspiring other people just by just doing the right thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Kenny, while you were talking, Kenny, uh, I know you're going to have a question here, but I did want to make this point, though, because as you think about that, you think about surely, you you know, this guy who's a professional and and made it well and did well mm-hmm. and you know, and and I and I think about those even the the other people that inspired me a lot, and I I can't help but bring these out and not inspire because I think you get inspiration at different seasons in your life. True, you know, certain people bring you this inspiration for this season of your life, and then you get inspired by this season of your life. You know, and I think about my brother right now. You know that James. You know my one of my older brothers that has painted body shop. Oh, you know, yeah. Yes. That, you know, that he, he um, you know, it was after I had finished college, but he was inspiring me during the whole time, too. But he started his painting body shop. He came out of came out of factory work, and and he he, he stopped doing uh, that, but he, he finally decided, I'm going to step out on my own and start his own business. And before you knew it, he was still doing two businesses, and then before you knew it, he had his own by himself. Mm-hmm. And I, even today, and of course, he went back to school. He went to two different, went to tech school, and then he went to another class. And so, education—he was getting edu- different from my education from college, but he was getting it from Augusta Tech. And he got his degree in, in painting body there, and got even some more training. And today, my lord, he has more work than he can ever do. <laughs> yeah. And built yeah. one of the built one of the very best, finest body shops you can think of. And so. So I think about this whole notion of education from, you know, from the side of the professional where I was to where his job is now, which is now today, it will be a professional job in a sense, you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The great work that he's doing and probably making a heck of a lot more money than I made, you know, so in his, in his, in his painting body shop and, and then even my brother Steve and, 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 and who's an electrician and, and then start his own business and doing some great things today where he's now training. So, so all of them did the technical route that was after I finished college that they went and did all these things. I think we inspired each other. Uh-huh. And, and so, to, so today we call my older brother, we call it, we got a designated time that we call each other, inspire each other on Sunday afternoons like five o'clock and six o'clock in the afternoon. We've been doing that for now thirty years. Man, that's awesome. That is awesome. Thirty years. And and and, mm-hmm. and that's why I wanted to do this interview. So uh people can see the ups, the downs, um, what support mechanisms you, know, you use. Um um even when you was saying before you listen to inspirational tapes, um, having conversations with 
your brothers. Oh yeah, yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so like we're gonna run into walls, um, but figuring how to get around or through that wall, um, that's the mission. So um, you know, a lot of people, you know, I think really don't know what leadership is. Uh, nowadays, mm-hmm. uh, anybody that got a large following on social media, they think that they're leaders. Um, mm-hmm. But in your words, through your experience, what would you say leadership in a nutshell would be? True leadership. I, I think true leadership in in um, um, is being an influencer. Okay. And... And John Maxwell, and you mentioned a while ago, he's one of those that inspired me along the way. And I listen to his tapes often. He does a lot of leadership work. And John Maxwell says that if you are walking in a direction, if if you're going in a direction and nobody is following you, you're just taking a walk. (laughs) And so... So, so, so it's gotta be, you gotta be, leadership is about influencing people to follow you, influencing others, you know, and we do that in, in all kinds of ways, you know, and, and we think about mothers influence the children if they're a leader, fathers influence, fathers lead in their families, you know, and, and my grandfather was leading, even though he wasn't saying, I'm your leader, I'm your grandfather, do what I say, do. No, I was watching him. Mm-hmm. And as I watched him, he was leading my life. My daddy was leading my life. My brothers were leading my life. And and so, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King didn't know me, didn't know anything about me. Right. But but what he said inspired me, and I followed. Uh, but Benjamin Mays didn't know me, know nothing about me. But what he said, I followed. It inspired me to follow. And so, so I think leadership is, in a nutshell, is influencing others to follow, you know. And and so we we can all be leaders right where we are, you know, and and so and you and in fact you can be a bad leader or a good leader depending upon what you do, you know. Because so, I was going to ask so, you, I was going to ask you my next question would be, can anybody be a leader? Yeah, absolutely. Anybody can be a leader, and they can be a bad leader, you know. And we know that we have some time we. With my children used to come home, and I said, "You know what? They, they, they picked up something from school from some kid. You know, that might have been mm-hmm. a bully or something. You know, and oh, you know what? They want to follow them. I'm like, that kid. Guess what? That bully's doing. He's leading. <laughs> this and, is true. And, it's a simple yeah, form. It's a simple form, but it's, it's true. Simple form. It's yeah, a very it's true. simple form. He's leading, and and he's just trying to get as many on his and you know, on his team as he can. And and so when he influences your child with all that you poured into him, and then before you know it. Your child is want to go follow them and go like what? <laughs> you know, so, that, so the bully is leading. That's a, that's in simplistic form. The gang is leading. When people come over to be part of them, they're leading. So, oh yeah. Oh, and yeah. and so so we 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 have to look at it in a very simplistic form is that, that influencing on uh, is what really uh, a leader is and then so we're leading whether we like it or not at times and so intentional leadership intentional leadership then becomes one of those things where we intentionally put out uh put things in place that others will follow you know such as guidelines and rules and those kinds of things that's that's intentional leadership that 
leading in a direction when we go, here's the vision, let's go yonder, you know. Mm-hmm. But you gotta have already you you gotta have already positioned yourself to be a leader, you know. And meaning that you have put put something, whether it be education, where people respect you because of the education that you have, and people will follow you for that reason. You have the papers on the wall to show it, and you are your positional leadership. You know, you they're following you because of what you know and what they believe you can do. Um, and so, so and then, uh, or they believe in the vision, or they believe in the mission. Then they follow for that reason. At the end of the day. It's about fellowship. It's about fellowship. People got to follow. If you're not, if you're not, nobody's following you. You're certainly not leading it. If you can't get anybody to follow you, you're not a leader. You're just taking a walk. <laughs> just taking a walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, in your career, did you have like a like a blueprint or someone to show you the ropes to make it easier for you? <laughs> I, I wish I wish I could say I, I did. I really do not think. Uh, I, I think things were shaped as I went along okay. and, you know, and, and as you said that, um, um, I was inspired for certain things. But my first move to Atlanta was, um, was a difficult one, but it was inspired because of my son with Down syndrome. And when I made that move, that, it, that really changed my whole directory my whole trajectory and for my career. Um, but I think I had, I had a, I had a kind of a, a notion of where I wanted to be. I wanted to be the very best engineer I could possibly be. I'll be honest with you. That was the, that was the vision that I had. I, I was I was wanting to be a technical person, and I really just wanted to be a good engineer. I think you know, and 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 then when it turned into management, I really didn't see all of that coming. Hmm. You know, and and when it turned into being. Um, a senior vice president of a leader, I, I really didn't see a lot of those things coming because I saw it as I began to develop along the way. And, and I don't forget, I went to Harvard back in 1998. I was working for the company and they give you this opportunity to do what they call a, a, a management development. And and when they see potential and if somebody saw something in me, my manager saw something in me and said, you know, I believe you can I believe you can do some of this other these other things. And so the moment I saw what those things were available, I realized I could do them, you know, but I really didn't see myself there until I had the exposure. Mm-hmm. And so networking was a big deal. You know, we had these various networking opportunities. And so they sent me to Harvard. <clears throat> as a, a management development program. And then, so then when I went to Harvard, that's when my eyes opened to so much uh, other things that are going on out there. And that was during the season of the dot coms and, um, and, uh, and these, a lot of these businesses like now, the apples that, of the world that you've been, you've seen oh, the, the day. Yeah, I tech saw world. them. Yeah. The tech development. Yeah, yeah. The tech, the tech development was happening about that same time. So I did all kinds of, uh, of um, studies in various companies. We did um, business cases of various companies and, and it opened my eyes to what the future would look like, you know, and mm-hmm. where, where I would fit into the future. So, so if you look at that uh, programs like that or things like that, opportunities like that opened my eyes along the way. So every, every step, it's kind of like you, you, you're driving a car and your headlights, you, you don't know what's down the road. But if you can get close enough to it with your headlights, you begin to see it. You mm-hmm. see more and more, and you just got to keep moving. And as you keep moving, 
the hip lights keep showing you more and more of what's happening. Mm-hmm. My life has been like that. And my life has started out, you know, that I saw part of it, you know, the being an engineer, graduating and becoming a good engineer. But once I became a good engineer, getting the headlights shine some more and so oh, guess what? You can be a manager. Hmm. And then when I got, got to be a manager, getting the headlights shine some more and got some more more enlightenment, more light. Uh, oh, guess what? You can be a you can be a not only you can be a general manager. Then I got more. Then you can be a, actually be a, an officer, and a vice president, a senior vice president, and ultimately even higher if you need if you like. But but I, so I think as you as you grow and you and 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 so I think you keep being educated along the way because I think education is lifetime is love lifelong learning. You just keep learning more and more and read read and I was I'm an advocate I, I love to read avid reader I love to read and I'll just read stuff you know and and more you learn your eyes are open to what next you know and what can I do next what is what are the opportunities now and because you think nobody really got the big crystal ball you know and 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 of the future and what the future hold but you know you have some idea of what you can do now but as you as you grow older and uh, you become more wiser and you begin you begin the, the uh you your enlightenment is better and you, you read and study and look at things even the stock market you know i got involved in the stock market back I taught one of my sons how to uh, how to get involved early on, but I got involved in the stock market when I was you know after college and and um, and learned about the stock market. But see, a lot of, a lot a lot of African Americans was engaged in the stock market. They would put their monies in CDs and things like that, one percent. You know, I didn't know about equities, didn't know about all these things. But I learned later on. I began to read a lot. You know. Mm-hmm. And learn about that early on, how you invest your money into various ways, and you invest. And so I learned about investing, and and that had nothing to do with my career, but that had to do with living. Well, I was, well, it, it actually brings me to my next question, and the question was, would you say education is a necessary tool in the business world, but you took a spin and made it a necessary tool to life? Exactly, exactly. Educate. See, and 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 you, what you you just nailed it. Really, a lot of people look at they got to get a good education just to get a job. You got to get a good education to live. Mm. You know, <laughs> and and this world that we're in today, that you know, um, and and I tell Mayor all the time when I see it happening, is that you know people perish for lack of knowledge. Mm. You know. And and so if they don't know, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, right right now, for instance, you know, I, I was in the bank, and and I get some condemning the banks a little bit because I was in the bank and and um, and went through the drive through window and I said, well, tell me what your new CD rates are right now. They said point zero one. I said what. <laughs> this point point zero one that's ten that's that's horrible. Oh, so you just want me to you want to be? I guess I should just be glad you got my money. I guess you know point zero one percent point zero one percent. And then you know I kept pushing on a little a little bit further, and and I said, well, you know, what about your advisors? I said, what 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 about some others? And she said, well, now if you talk to the advisor. You might get up to four to five percent. 
Mm. I said, huh? I said, okay. <laughs> so if you're talking to the to to an advisor at a certain level of money, and most people could would have the money to meet those needs, uh, they just didn't know. If you don't know that, you're gonna be you're gonna be just getting that point zero one or ten percent or point six five or one point one percent when you really could be getting four to five percent. So lack of knowledge mm-hmm. was robbing me of three three to four percent of money. Mm-hmm. You so, so I think as you read these things and begin to understand uh, how banks operate, how they compete, and and I, and I know because I know about it because I've been on bank boards, you mm-hmm. know, and so I know that there's a different level, right? So, and so, but most people don't know that, you know, so you just have to push on them and say, well, uh, don't you have another um, for these other customers, <laughs> you know, so. So you ha- you have to know. I think the education to me gets you to that point of understanding how to navigate the different things that are going on in the world today. Well, and, and like even now with the with, with technology, the seniors have to. And I've been telling people in my church, seniors, you need to understand technology. How are you going to survive if you don't have young people to help you? You 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 got to know. You got to learn these kinds of things and. Even with Medicare, Medicaid, all these things now, they they're technology driven. You gotta they gotta learn it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, um, mm-hmm. and it and it boils down. We'll be talking about African Americans. It boils down to creating think tanks, um, mm-hmm. groups to talk about this. Like we can have groups once a week to talk about business and business opportunities and answer uh, questions and, um, but it all goes back to this podcast topic which is education how can it absolutely empower absolutely. your life and that's all yeah. it is like people think education is something institutionalized you got to go to college or you got to go to some kind of learning institution no mm-hmm. you, you can go around your elders and learn a lot you can go around guys that work with their hands a lot and learn like that's how i learned how to work on a car watching my dad my granddad mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um and, and again, with the stocks, I learned two friends of mine, we was out playing pool, and and they end up teaching me um, uh, the basis of um, stock trading. Um, That's right. You know, so um, education is all around us. The, uh, the thing is, um, will you recognize it when it's being taught to you? I remember a friend of mine, um, very successful guy, and I was interviewing him. And I asked him, I said, um, how do you want me to address you? What's your, he, said, he said, what do you mean? I said, um, what's your title? And uh, he jokingly said, uh, he said, man, I'm a student. I said, what? He said, I will always be a student. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, what, what, what do you mean? He said, a wise man, no, he would never learn at all. That's right. Continuous learning. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I, I was just thinking, you know, you think about education, life, you know, it's life. It's all about life. You're absolutely right. And I think about these, um, even when, when some of our folks try to get loans or we try to get a loan. And if we see one of those um, car lots, they got to go and get a loan. Well, if they try to buy a car, for instance, and they go and see, you pay, you, you, you buy it here, pay here, mm-hmm. beware. 
mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. because then that means that, you know, if you, and then you got to think about interest rates, you know, how mm-hmm. you calculate those interest rates. And they might say the car costs this much, but then there's, oh, that's okay. And then, but then look at the paperwork, read the paperwork, because now the interest rate is going to jack your payments up like you wouldn't believe. And it may be a long time when you, you can go right down the road, get the bank to finance it or get somebody else to finance it, buy the car from them. Then you you bet off in life. So you you think about the the whole. It's about education. It's mm-hmm. about knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's about knowledge. You know, and the, the knowledge that you probably wouldn't get. Some of this you're probably not going to get holistically in college. You're not going to get. You, you but you get it. But one thing about what college does for you, it teaches you to analyze things. It teaches yeah, you I to agree. beware. <clears throat> it teaches you to open your mind up to mm-hmm. what's going on in the world. And so, you know, you can get that without going to college. If, if you had some wisdom from others, like you said, from they'll tell you that, you know, once you today you can go online, you can search this, that search engine called, you know, um, uh, you Google, you can Google this and Google that, <laughs> anything you want to. And, uh, and, and so, so I think when people start even making purchases or doing things, think about how to educate myself about this issue before mm-hmm. I do it, you know. And so they began, got education now got to be looked at in a whole new light, as you said, not just an institution, but think about how do I educate myself about everything I need to do. Can I, first of all, can I do this without taking it down to the shop? You know, can I find <laughs> yeah. a... Can I find It'll be cheaper. You know, yeah, and I and my son sometime I think he gets on me because I asked him. I call him. Said, Let me ask you how, how you do this right here. He said, "I tell you what, what. Why don't you just Google it and get one of those? Um, you know, get, get you know the, the uh, YouTube. App, the, the, uh, YouTube. YouTube. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. YouTube. You get on YouTube and guess what? When you get to YouTube. YouTube is better than he could have ever told me. Oh yeah, now it, <laughs> now it might be a twelve-year-old boy telling you, but he's on point. Uh, I wanna, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah. I want to add to the car thing. Um, uh, I went to go buy a car one time, and I I was always taught by my uh, family, uh, you know, uh, have a great uh, credit score, no matter what, you know, pay your bills on time, mm-hmm. so on and so forth, right? Yeah. So I had partial education. So when I went down there, um, the first thing he asked me, what do you want your money payments to be? Uh-huh. See how I did that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I so he I didn't talk. He didn't, he didn't say, hey, you're going to pay a during near, near a million dollars for this car. <laughs> he was like, uh-huh. what do, what do you want your monthly, monthly payments to be? I said, well, how much? It's the overall cost. Well, we ain't gonna worry about that. Let's just like just tell me where you want to be at on your payments. I was like, well, I would like to get the car for fifteen grand because I think they wanted like uh, on the sticker it was like eighteen something or something like that. Mm-hmm. But to make a long story short, so we went back and forth on that for a while, and um, so so he got me down at a really low monthly payment. So we talking, 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 talking. So as we talking, he's sliding the paper to me to to, to sign. Mm-hmm. Going back to what you just said, read your paperwork, read your paperwork. So he's still mm-hmm. talking to me. So I looked down, and he was like, well, just sign there. I said, no, you're going to let me read this. Right. And he was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just, I, I figured you had to go. I said, no, because this, this bill going to be with me for a while. Mm-hmm. This joker had... 
I think if my memory serves me about like twelve percent. I know wow, it was high. See? It was super high, right? Yeah. I I got the pen, I put it on the paper, and I slid it back to him. I said, Man, you dirty dog. And he was like, What do you mean? <laughs> I said, Dude, look at my credit score. Uh-huh. And my credit score was pretty high. I think around yeah. like a seven something, some change. Um, uh-huh. but he was like, Wait, just 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 wait, just wait. So he 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 does the whole walk out, talk to the finance manager, come back in type deal. Mm-hmm. Okay, man, you can get it for I think it was like three percent or something like that. I said, man, please, and I and I and I and I pushed the paper further to him. I grabbed my stuff and I just walked that neighbor running through the parking lot. The sales manager, uh, oh, oh, Mr. Ma, Mr. Ma. No, I said, man, why were you not honest with me? You saw my credit score in the beginning. Exactly. I know the credit score dictates my APR. I know mm-hmm. that much, and for you. To sit up there and take a chance on overcharging me. Really? Yeah. And he's still still trying to talk to me. I said, no, dude. You learned a very valuable lesson today. Everybody's not an idiot. And I drove off. I've done many of them like that. that. (laughs) When they ask me that question, I already... What the, the, not, no, you don't ask me what my payments right. would be. You tell me how what you want for your car. Exactly. I want, APR. You, I, want, <clears throat> I want to know where you compete with everybody else because I've checked prices. I know what this car values. So mm-hmm. Let's start from the car price, what you want for your car. Then we'll talk about the rest of the things. Right. You know. right. <clears throat> Matter of fact, I got a fun fact for everybody listening. An old lady told me this one time. I was in the market getting a car. And she said, um, she said, well, well, how are you going to do it? And I said, well, I'm going to go do this and that. She said, no. She said, uh, you got a credit union? I said, yeah. She said, um, if you go online um, to Auto Trader or whatever, she said, download um, the information on the car. It had a car dealership, all the information your credit union need. Go, go to them. And let and work the deal out with them before you get there. So what right, I that's exactly right. right. So what I did, the car was way in another city, right? Uh huh. And the bank already told me. I mean, well, not the bank, credit union. Okay, good price. We will give it to you for this percent. All you got to do is go there. If you like it, call us. We'll take care of it from there. Mm-hmm. The easiest yes. transaction I ever did, and I did not have to haggle with the car dealership because exactly. the people that's paying for the car already told me uh, what it's gonna be. Exactly. So, so for anybody buying, yeah, anybody buying a car, go on Auto Trader, find the one you want, go by your credit union first, get the money, and then when you go there, you say, "My, this is the number you call my credit union. They'll take care of it." Boom. You don't have to go back and forth with them at all. Exactly. All that haggling. Yeah. You know. Easiest yeah, transaction I like I never did. Yep. <laughs> I, I like I like to buy them like that. Yeah. You know, because you're getting that haggling with the with these used car seven or the even the new car seven doesn't matter these days. It, it's it, you gotta be you gotta be sharpened on your toes because they'll try to talk to you and push paper in front of you, and uh, you gotta be sharpened. If you know you've educated yourself before you go to before you hit that 
get out of your car, or whatever you're doing, educate yourself mm-hmm. before that. You know, mm-hmm. and unless you you share it, I think that that makes all the difference in the world. And they'll treat you differently the moment yes. you start talking the right language. You you know that you know you know APRs and you know mm-hmm. this percent or, or you know or front uh, end uh, back end yeah back end front end mm-hmm. you know values and yeah I've already looked at the uh, various book. books and Kelly you know, Blue Book you start hitting those terminologies with them let me tell you they come back down to their senses pretty quick mm-hmm. you know or um <laughs> and understand who they're dealing with right or I've I've been there and then they try to push another car off on me right you know I went to automobile automotive school so i was like uh i don't want that and they were like well it's, it's, it's i can get you a better deal i was like yeah but they're known for the this part to go or that part to go and, right and you see them like okay then they try another car. I'm like no that one had a recall on the br- um, brake system um matter of fact the same model Oh, oh, oh! Mm-hmm. You that's know, good. That's you, good. You know how many times I went to a dealership and they actually offered me a job? <laughs> At least three times. At least three times they actually offered me a job. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. How about that? So, but it shows the value of education. Right, right, and that's all we're talking about here. Um, don't yeah. be afraid to be educated because I know in the hip hop world, um, they don't celebrate educated black men they don't you got to be a mm-hmm. thug or you got to be a rebel mm-hmm. um it's the opposite of what you really need to be exactly and that's to be educated exactly. and well-rounded and not be intimidated by somebody else's race or um mm-hmm. you know this uh corporate language if you if you mm-hmm. if you become well-rounded it goes back to those same feelings you and i had when we was in those board meetings and you're the only one that looked like you. But if you're confident in your education, um, it doesn't even matter. Doesn't matter. That's yeah. exactly yeah. right. Mm-hmm. So we're going to wrap this up. My final question to you. Take a moment and let's say you're talking to young America. What advice would you give a young person that's about to graduate high school and go out there and take a career in the business world? Okay, very good question because I I'm sure to remember the me being at the um, junior high school or senior getting ready to push off into that and not sure what's going on, but I knew the research I had done, you know, around engineering and around the potential for job opportunities and it matched my passion. And so, so, and, but I also know that some of my other friends that went in another direction and something they did because it was easy. They did, you know, they may have done some of the social work kind of things or a degree in something that was going to be easy and they ended up not getting a job. I, I went the hard route, seemingly hard to some people and, and opened up so many opportunities for myself when I was done. So I think as they think about what will they do, think about their passion, think about what they really want, and do some educate themselves. As you said earlier, we've been talking about educating yourself, and education is about life. It's life, you know, it's life. They just get ready to do some formal education when they get ready to go to college. So the first thing they ought to do is whatever they decide they want to do or have thought about doing, 
begin now to get educated about those different careers and about where the future, what are the projections of the future, what's going to happen with that kind of a career in the future, what can you do with a degree in this area, what is it technical school, or is it college that I really need to do, which is it, you know, because nowadays, you know, um, technical school is in, in some areas or better than you would go if you go to college because mm -hmm. uh, yeah. the, the opportunities there um, uh, and getting a job they you know matches your passion it prepares you better for for a certain job that you would like to do and uh, in, in certain especially business ownership you know and, and getting uh, uh, so so I, I think that they really need to do the research and really need to spend some time and then find somebody that they can uh, be, I won't say as much as a mentor, but they can ask questions about it. They can ask questions to, you know, somebody who's been in that field, <clears throat> somebody who's they trust, or, or maybe get that guidance counselor to say, can, is there somebody we can talk to, or can you get us to some areas? That's what the guidance counselor ought to be doing. They yeah, ought to be ought to showing be. them. <laughs> they ought to be showing them, you know, um, uh, connecting them to opportunities in the future and. And, and even in the present, what can it do? Um, uh, and beyond basketball, beyond it's okay if they got a great um, talent, you know, to do basketball. But that sometimes we can relegate ourselves to just that, or we relegate ourselves to being the next hip hop, you know, singer, or of doing uh, some other careers. But stretch your mind, let your mind be open to careers in whatever area that makes sense for you and your passion and, and, and the right thing for you to do for the future. Mr. Dukes, as always, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. Um, I heard your name before I met you and it was always good things. And um, people like you is what inspire us. Thank you for speaking with us. Thank you for stopping by the chat house. You have a wonderful, blessed day, sir. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Kenny. Appreciate you letting me do it.